0: Welcome back to The Exchange by Evolution, a melting pot of ideas and inspiration shared by some of the most successful tech leaders. I'm Liana, and I help connect businesses with tech talent, and today, I'm your host. In today's episode, we'll be discussing the topic, Organizational Change Management, Preparing for a Data-Driven Future. Joining me for the session is Brendan Yu, Director of Data Science at Johnson & Johnson, and Siddhartha, I'm Senior Manager of Data Science and Machine Learning at Carousel. So before we get into the discussion, just a quick disclaimer, all, uh, all thoughts and views uh, spoken by any of the speakers or myself are only representative of each individual and not that of their company. Um, so yeah, thanks for being here, guys, um, and welcome to the podcast. You know, before you start, would you like to introduce yourselves and, you know, a little bit about our vet crop, Um Maybe Freddie, you can go first?
1: Yeah, sure. So I'm Freddie, so currently the Director of Data Science, in a guy I am leading the Asia Pacific uh, commercial data science uh, capabilities. So, uh, coming from the background that uh, I did a PhD in NTU, so in the statistical physics. So, and then uh, I moved to my first company, uh, Garena, so where that's, uh, we are doing the game publishing, so we do a lot of the data science models on this, uh, you know, uh, prediction under uh, like the behaviors of the gamers. Yeah, and then I changed the industry. And to the pharmaceutical as a MSE, global pharmaceutical uh, company, and then uh, again, I have uh, just a the experience of trying to experience the really different industries uh, I moved to BCG, uh, and then where I do have the experience of further, you know, to you know experience what our different industries uh, looks like, and then I just choose to stay to come back uh, to the pharmaceutical uh, industry. So currently landed in Johnson Johnson. So, which, uh, so I position myself as a like, data and technology. Uh, I'm passionate about data technology. So I'm especially uh, interested in really uh, trying to bring the innovation to the traditional organization. Mm-hmm. And then I really enjoy that. There's a lot of pain for sure, but I think there's a huge impact of uh, doing that and yeah, for our society.
0: Sure. Okay,
2: well, thanks, Freddie, for sharing. It looks like a lot of diverse kind of an experience uh, for me. I mean, I've always been in uh, online tech kind of uh, companies. So I started uh, about a decade ago uh, working in the analytics space for airlines as well as uh, retailers. So I worked in Sabre airline solutions for a while, basically optimizing Airline schedules and revenue management for big airlines, uh, followed by a stint with Oracle where I worked on markdown optimization for retail giants uh, across the world. Uh, thereafter, I decided that okay, maybe it's time for me also to pursue a PhD as well. So I ended up going to the US and did a PhD where my main focus was in the area of natural language processing. Um, so that's something I was like very very interested in understanding language. Uh, so I worked on Automatic Text Summarization during my uh, PhD work. Uh, after that, I worked uh, for Yahoo in the Bay Area for a while. And then I moved to Singapore back in 2019 with a role at Traveloka. And then COVID happened. Everything travel had all crashed. And that's when I uh, moved to Carousel. Uh, so at Carousel, I uh, currently lead a team of about like uh, seven people and uh, It's a central data science team in the organization, so we cater to problems for various stakeholders across the company, be it uh, the buyer experience team, where we primarily work on uh, recommendation systems. Uh, From the seller side, we work on pricing, and distinct prices, understanding what's a good price, whether uh, something is actually attractive or not. Ads has been one of the big areas uh, of our investment uh, last year where we worked on uh, optimizing ads based on the person of the user visiting the platform as well as their uh, activity and all. Uh, we've also worked on uh, trust and safety which is a big area given the online marketplace and uh, the, the immense number of scams that keep happening in the entire Southeast Asia uh, online marketplaces so we always have to stay at the top of our top of our game so that's kind of like the broad range of uh, problems we've been working on and it's very exciting uh, working in such a space where tech plays such a big role in all areas across the company. Yeah
0: um, thanks for that little introduction guys I think this will probably be an interesting episode for everyone I mean seeing it both of you have you know such different um experiences so um i guess let's just kick things off right with our first question which is i guess to understand like the importance of data because um in order to prepare for a data-driven future i think it's essential to first understanding you know why is data so important so um yeah maybe study you can get through yeah,
1: yeah. I, I would like to you know we read us from a like a more philosophical way right? and <laughs> so like because what i think that the data is, actually data is democratizing science. Yeah, Yeah, because uh, if you see like human history, we spend so many like centuries just trying to understand things and figure out a standardized measurement and trying to uh, get some theory out of it, right? But then just in recent decades, there's an explosion of technology and make the measurement everywhere. So the outcome of the measurement is the data. So now it's everywhere you're using your phone, you're generating the data, you're going to you know, use all the digital devices, every place you go, the cameras may be recording where you go, all these are data. So all this data actually uh, provides the foundations for, for all this measurement. So everyone can be a scientist now. So if I have a business question, uh, is my advertisement working or not? Is my drug effective or not in certain like uh, like uh, like group? So I I don't need to uh, worry about like previously uh, where's to find data. Now the data is everywhere. Everyone can be the, the scientist, then trying to generate uh, the theory and trying to generate uh, the insights and action upon the insights, which we don't really really need to rely on the expert telling us what is the best scenario, what is the best way to do. Everyone can be a scientist. So that is the editor, I think that is the. Whole like meaning of uh, of data and where this why this data is very important is generating uh, this uh, impact and everyone is investing on that. Uh, I
2: mean, just I would say continuing on the thread that you just mentioned, uh, data is something that provides a lot of objectivity to every discussion. Right? We start off with okay maybe this is something we want to have as an additional feature on our product maybe three months down the line why do we need to have this feature why not feature number two feature, feature number three all of that can be answered using data right you have proper dashboards you look at user funnels where they are clicking what things they are not uh happy about uh and then figuring out like what additional steps can we take to make sure users are engaging or in a particular way we are solving particular problems right so uh i think at the end of the day when we see that organizations need to be data driven fundamentally it's about like bringing objectivity to all discussions and decision making without which i think we can just beat around the bush just saying random stuff but at the end of the day, we are we won't be able to like measure uh, anything, which is I think on your scientific kind <laughs> sort of aspect, right? You were talking about the measurement aspect, which is I think like critical.
0: Thanks, so I mean, yeah, I mean, some data is objective things like that, but you know, some to some people, data a new thing, like even you know, phones and things like that. And you don't really think about it in there like every day, so. And like all change, I think uh, overcoming resistance is always a struggle, right? So, you know, um, if your organization wants to be data driven, right, adopting new technologies and processes is not going to be easy. So, how would you advise, you know, just like organizations to overcome such resistance?
2: Uh, I could both understand it. I I think. uh Like fundamentally the change right has to be uh sort of a top down to begin with like at the highest level right folks need to be aligned that we need to be like data driven right and bring about that culture of change it's not going to happen in a single day right it's uh It's going to take a lot of effort, but everything needs to have that focus that data is going to answer why we are going to do something. Data is going to answer how we are going to measure something. Data is going to let us uh, kind of create amazing user experiences. Uh, In cases of like uh, scientific manufacturing sort of industries, it might be like how experiments are done, how drugs are designed, for example uh in the context of like online uh, internet businesses it might be uh how to design a particular feature to encourage more users engage and once that starts happening right like at the topmost level kind of uh, trickling down ensuring that at every stage everybody needs to be answerable with respect to data you just write a statement that okay we anticipate five to eight percent increase but why why is that going to be 5% to 8% and not 2 to 3%? Show me with data. Uh, show me with like proper statistics, confidence intervals that this is what we are going to expect in the next, say, few weeks or months, uh, without which I think uh, such a change is not going to happen. So that's kind of how I see uh, things kind of moving in that direction. And it's sometimes a big challenge because... Certain teams, right? Even within like tech companies, certain teams might be like very business focused, where their fundamental uh, notion is to like get things done. Right? We will operationalize this. Uh, I think it's important for data teams also at times to kind of make sure that we understand their problems more closely. And if we can understand their problems more closely, I think you would be able to uh, suggest solutions suggest uh, how we can work together and make things happen and that is no more i would say top down but at every level when they realize that it is going to be fundamentally data driven for whatever we do
1: yeah totally agree so especially i mean coming from like more of a traditional Mm -hmm. industry background this is actually a big topic and might a big pain point for us and also see a lot of uh Different companies are suffering the, the same uh, same problems. So how to be like this uh, data driven? How to embrace the changes? So, so like some of my observations actually is that it's a, actually a lot of people still a lot of people, although it's a, I mean the traditional is a lot of people actually is quite uh, eager to embrace the changes using the new technology design, embrace the data. But there's a there's a lot of I mean limitations in terms of what they can do. I mean, given the regulations and privacies, and also like uh, for fun, like giving the scale of this spice, I mean, there's a lot of interdependencies right? rendered, like people's, uh, like the tools, their power have been de- decentralized, right? So there hardly can be any, like uh, uh, the kind of holistic view of what is happening and how, what is the breakthrough point that we can drive the whole changes. So there's a lot of this kind of uh, interdependencies. So my, my 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 view is that I, I think those uh, for, for this kind of uh, uh, like traditional uh, industry that the breakthrough, I think won't come from a single point. All right, it 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 comes from like uh, I mean we need to cons- constantly like improving the like the data peak digital literacy of all the people uh, working in this ecosystem, and then trying to improve every uh, this uh, I mean the every point in this value chain. And gradually, gradually, when, I mean, the, the whole level reaches to, to that, the innovation will just uh, naturally uh, emerges gradually. So that that's what I see uh, actually quite important in this uh, traditional uh, industry. So we, we, we're we just not able to move as fast as, uh, as you guys.
2: I mean, how, how do you even, like, overcome this resistance to change? Like, it might be, like, a big... Very, very big deal, right? In mm-hmm. a company as large as yours, where there are multiple units, it's not lean. Uh, how do you kind of even think about orchestrating a change?
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, recently with the chat here, so we are discussing, say, like the, that Microsoft is beating the Google. It's not because that Google is not advanced in technology, but it's a lot of the management decisions, right? So how do they... Keep that traditional advertisement. Uh, this uh, the business model continue to, to work. There's also a lot of this kind of uh, similar thing is happening in, in other like traditional uh, industries like uh, like in us. I think a lot of time we really uh, require some uh, you know uh, fresh blood from more and more fresh blood from external uh, industries and really try to you know uh, drive this uh, mindset change. And a lot of time, the consultancy, uh, external consultant, also helps a lot in terms of uh, helping to drive the change. But then it's a, it takes a lot of time to just get people aligned. Uh, eventually, when every people re- uh, realize how important it is, like for data, and then just we see the organization start to, you know, hire chief job officers, building all this data science team, it may take an iterative process, they may fail. And then after a few years, they just start the semester all over again. But eventually they're, uh, they're moving slowly to, to the uh, good direction. I think like, you there's a good point about like
2: uh, iterations over iterations. Yeah. I think I like, follow this very strongly that any step you take towards like, maybe solving a new problem, right? Starting small. Get the quick wins as soon as possible. And once you convince like your stakeholders that, okay, we, and you can actually solve a part of it using data, I think there is always more buy-in and then you can proceed
1: more easily and there was less resistance, right? Yeah, that's especially important for, for us. I mean, need a business buy, uh, gradually change their mindset. You know? I
0: mean, I think at the end of the day, it's not something that happens overnight. It definitely takes time. Um, but yeah, I mean you mentioned a little bit, right, Freddy, about improving digit- uh, digital literacy. So, um, how can I guess these businesses communicate the benefits and goals of transitioning into you know more data centric to all employees and you know not just those that are in the data space because this might be something new to them, right?
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah, as Steve mentioned, there's really a lot of this uh, small effort. Mm-hmm. They're constantly showing uh, this value uh, to the stakeholders. But so what we think is the most important is actually to create is a, you know, uh, I mean, it's a convenient experience for those people to to really use data because they they need some incentive. So if they are experienced with data, it's oh, I have a lot of actually they all thirsty. They're all thirsty for data because. There's a lot of business questions, why this drug doesn't work, why this caused adverse event, everything, they, they need a lot of data. Mm-hmm. But if their experience with using the data is, oh, I need to approach that team, and I need to clear the TDS privacy compliance process, and I need to wait for several weeks for that team to prepare the data for us, and then eventually doesn't work, and it takes iterations. In that case, they will rely on other resources, and then they will say, "Oh, uh, I don't think it works. I just rely on my my own ways of working." That that creates a, like a worse, uh, worse cycle uh, that people eventually don't want to use. So I think, but now a lot of uh, investment people realize that a lot of investment is being put on the technology on you know, the data management, etc., and try to also I do see a lot of uh, external parties trying to provide uh, data systems and trying to. You know, just try to make the whole like data usage much simpler. Mm-hmm. So that actually yeah, I, I see is a there's a, there's a virtual cycle is being pro- provided that you know you use the data, you generate some pain size that everyone's happy and you start to more rely on that. Also, people are more like incentivized to learn those technology tools, like those BI tools, some simple Python, a lot of businesses interested in learning that and they're really trying to make a difference. That's that's really interesting
2: to know because, I mean, for us data scientists, I think uh, trying to answer something based on data, what we, our main idea is, OK, we'll go to the database, wherever our data store is, we might run some query, however complex it is. And it's OK, because that's something we do for bread and butter. So it's kind of straightforward. But then, the actual stakeholders who are end users of the outcomes of that data and or if they do not have a good quality self-service tool to actually uh, see like how to play around that data and figure out insights, it's probably of no use. I mean, so I think the thing that you mentioned around Newer tools, data management, uh, sort of ways coming up that can really help people answer questions. And people are, are also being very proactive in learning new technologies. I think that's something which is really necessary. And if there is resistance towards that, I think that's going to be a problem.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, but Sid, have you um, encountered any of, you know, this problem of like helping, you know, others understand how to shift more towards like the data side?
2: uh I mean my experience is, given it's mostly been in like tech companies I haven't like really faced uh like extremes yeah uh but I mean there is always uh cases around like discussing something with like individuals maybe from the product teams and trying to uh understand first why we are doing something in the first place right there are certain ideas uh but which idea to prioritize, which mm. might have the maximum impact, and there is always some level of impact estimation that can be done with data, right? So understanding that and then proceeding in a way that uh, we are able to uh, we are able to like spend our resources in the best possible manner because resources at the end of the day are limited. You can never solve all the problems you have at hand. So that sort of discussions definitely go on. Uh, I mean. I would say lucky uh to be part of organizations where data was kind of fundamental in answering everything. Uh, in the tech industry, that's sort of a given. Uh however, sometimes we assume a bit too much. I think we have to stop doing that at times and try to answer it
1: again with data. Yeah. It's always actually a discussion within ourselves how do we learn from the tech companies, why they're so successful. I mean, that's actually quite eager to, to actually learn from, from, from others.
0: But um, I mean, earlier you guys mentioned about learning a bit of Python, a bit of like Core BI or something like that. But, you know, some people, they have day jobs. How do they, how would you, um, I guess, um, suggest these people spend their time? Because, you know, some of them may, may not have the time to like read articles or they might not even understand, right? What you're, whatever you're reading in the data space. So yeah, how would you, I guess, initiate this change? And um, yeah.
2: I I mean, okay, I, I can go first. Four, I'm uh, sure. yeah. So in general, I think blindly learning something doesn't really help. Like, okay, I'll sit today and I'll learn some new tech. I think it's always better if you have a problem at hand, and you are trying to solve something and because of that your learning is actually helping that happen i think that is where the focus kind of stays okay like if i am able to learn this piece within like a couple of days i might be able to answer part of this question and that interest the solutions when they keep coming out you are able to kind of understand why oh, i'm able to answer certain questions in this possible uh way then I think that interest kind of automatically comes in and then that person is able to like learn even more, maybe that specific technology going a bit into the advanced levels or maybe certain like sister tech, which might actually help in broadening the horizons of answering those questions. Uh, For me, I think fundamentally, even if I try to like learn something totally new, it doesn't like happen If I am not motivated enough, having a problem at hand gives me that motivation. Uh, For example, like I have been only working on like, let's say Python SQL and certain elements of stack with like machine learning uh, tools like TensorFlow or PyTorch and things like that. But then uh, I do think that for me to broaden my horizons in this entire data space for me to at least be able to understand elements on let's say business intelligence or data analytics it's also important for me to understand the basics of the tools that are used like on dashboards and all but i can never convince myself to just go and learn without a specific use case so when there has been certain use cases i ended up like learning a bit on
1: those tech but otherwise i think it's practically uh, impossible and what, what I'm looking at is this, uh, this question in a longer time span uh, in terms of uh, upskilling people's skill. So we see that younger generations, those uh, new generations from the university, the like uh, a lot of them actually can use Python the programming languages, all these tools quite efficiently compared with our generations or the generations before, right? So from a longer term, that's a natural like upskill uh, upskilling. So they may not tr- uh, end up everyone's data scientist. Not possible, but it turns out that a lot of the people with the data skills being landed into other kind of different jobs, and that's actually the it's, uh, it, it's actually what we want to do right now, right? We're training the like the other functions, the people from other functions to do Python. But maybe 10 years later, they will naturally uh, with the skill sets of all this data analytics right yeah
0: cool um and i mean in to do this whole like organizational change management it's it's a big thing it's not again we discussed it's not something that happens overnight and i think it's important to develop like a data strategy right so um in order to use data to to make decision making effective right how can they identify i guess what sort of data is most relevant to that your business goals and how would you I guess uh, give advice to this situation yeah
1: probably I can I can go first right so uh, like, like for for us for our industry the healthcare us people are thirsty for data so Actually, there's a one-third of the data uh, generated healthcare data. It's just they are so scattered everywhere within the research institutions, hospitals, this, uh, uh, this, this different places. So, and then uh, what, what I see is that we are trying to answer all these questions in terms of the, our patient, our uh, doctors, etc., uh, in terms of the, this, this disease. So they actually know uh, kind of what kind of data they want and then they're looking for that. So one of the trends I see is that uh, the more and more u- utilization of the non-traditional uh, data set, like just imagine previously the healthcare people they're like measuring your like blood pressure, measuring your temperature, etc. Just, just those very uh, basic uh, things for the diagnosis, for you know for, for the for the monitoring but now we do see the emergence is actually the use of a lot of non-traditional uh, data. Like for example, uh, previously there's no good way of identifying Alzheimer's disease in early stage, but now there's a research uh, using the speech data as the biomarker that we can uh, predict this Alzheimer's uh, in a very early stage. Just imagine uh, in the future, right, we can do, uh, easily do a 3- 3D scanning of our whole body every even imagine every we can know every cell within our body how does that interact and how our like the uh, the blood flows everything then actually a lot of things are much easier in terms of understanding the disease yeah. even like the the tv series the west world we can <laughs> predict your behaviors right but yeah
0: yeah i mean i think It sounds like, you know, it involves a bit of like thinking outside of the box, you know, um, with regards to a poor chicken coming up with a business strategy and data strategy. But um, are there like some common pitfalls to avoid? (laughs) and would you like how not to go about planning your data strategy, perhaps?
2: That's a pretty interesting question. We rarely think about uh, counter examples, I guess. A little better. I mean, I think, uh, especially in like smaller organizations, right, where I've worked, I think it's definitely good to have a data strategy around the various elements, right? What are the major areas we would be investing in? What are we trying to like learn from this data? What are the specific areas we would be monitoring actively? What are our key metrics, right? Over weeks or days, whatever we are monitoring, uh, what are the key alert systems we'll create, right? Uh, So strategies around those are fundamentally very important. But I think it's also important to keep in mind that, especially with respect to like smaller organizations, where a lot of these ideas Uh, are just ideas, right? We might end up implementing something, experimenting, let's say running A-B tests and all, and we realize things fail. Then what do you do? Do you go back and change your data strategy elements massively or uh, do you make smaller changes? So uh, kind of in a data strategy, making sure that what are the definitely like the priority zero level ones right we those cannot be compromised on but what are the things where there should be certain level of like flexibility that they might have to be changed let's say three months down the line so that level of flexibility and the buffer needs to be accounted for right but there would be some elements which no matter what you do you fail or whatever those stay intact right So kind of that needs to be, I think, accounted for while coming up with these strategies. Uh, A lot of uh, strategies around when we as, let's say, uh, a particular company is uh, venturing out into different markets. Now, whether the metrics that you are kind of already uh, monitoring in a particular market, are they going to be the same or are there different sort of behaviors expected? then do you introduce something new in those markets and all those are some of the things we need to like think about right away right and because for example like carousel operates in uh, let's say singapore hong kong taiwan and so on like are there subtle differences in the markets there are governments which have different rules and regulations across online marketplaces things that we need to monitor there are issues around like difference of languages uh, so, are there specific like uh, things? Let's say we have a particular threshold on a particular model in a particular market. Is that going to be like particularly different as to how we detect fraud in a different market? Things around those. These need to be like considered uh, right away when we are thinking about like long-term strategies around market expansions.
0: Okay, sounds like we need flexibility, and it's like not. It's not a one-size-fits-all solution, definitely. Yeah. Okay. And, you know, earlier you mentioned about third-party sites, right? Freddie or like third-party platforms to help with the data and everything, right? How um, can uh, businesses choose the most appropriate tools for their needs?
1: Yeah. So, yeah, that's also a challenge in the traditional industries that they just spend incredible Amount of money just buying the different tech stacks, different teams are using the different standards, and then just end up like, uh, you know, it's very hard to maintain, very hard to manage. So, so one of the, the thing that, uh that is very important for those companies is really trying to standardize, uh, I mean, all the data tools and the end to end, like single platforms. So, currently, it's, uh, it's still at it. I have to say, is that the uh, developing stage of all these uh, data uh, technologies. But we do see the, uh, the lens- compactive landscape is emerging. So like say uh, we see some data Databricks, uh, all this, uh, this kind of tools is gradually standing out and r- really tries to make the whole data processing, the all AI, ML, everything much, uh, much, much easier. So what I foresee is that in the next two to three years, uh, probably even faster. So we'll see the, the winners or the, uh, the, the, the industry standard will gradually uh, be established. At a time, I think it can be probably it's a lesser issue. So there will be like mature like data tech stacks end-to-end. You can just implement and the cost maintenance will be uh, much, much easier.
2: Okay.
1: Yeah.
2: I, on the same, Glenn, uh, I think communication is key. Uh, across groups Uh, within the technology organization I think we have this culture of like monthly sharing of something new that the team has built and it might be helpful for a different team as well right and maybe the other team is trying to figure out some details but they might see certain similarities and they take help from the uh, team that has already used a particular platform and have found good value out of it. Uh without proper communication, I think these are done in silos and then it ends up happening like, OK, the same kind of things are being done by different teams, but using different sort of tools uh, where I think information sharing um, like becomes a problem because the teams cannot help each other because they are totally in de- like, uh, using different tools. So I think communication is of vital uh, importance in this regard. Uh, sometimes I think when we are considering these tools, right, one decision that has to be made is whether we build it in-house or buy it from outside. And buying is always, uh, like, it's not that buying is always costlier than building it in-house. You also need to pay a significant amount of money to engineers, right? So at the end of the day, I think what matters is like, can we get to a relative, like, a level of, I would say, satisfaction with something that already exists in the market. Maybe just take it, uh, get some custom support from them and have it ready that serves our purpose. Or do we need like enough control to to be able to control that from our end? Right. So that's kind of like the decisions and also like how much are we willing to invest? Like, for example, there are probably tools that allow experimentations in the uh, machine learning space. Uh, tracking those uh but for us who experiment a lot for like online uh, with online populations uh releasing features to like certain groups and trying out and seeing statistical sort of uh, metrics i think at times it be- it became important that we would have to build something in-house so that we are able to like use it longer term without worrying much about like the cost aspect and also introduce new features to it from uh, time to time so that's what like a decision went into like okay we'll build that in-house for example but for a different use case uh it might be different depending
1: on like the requirements yeah this is quite a interesting discussion actually always ongoing so whether in-house versus the you know just buying from third parties that's also uh, some of the mindset change that, that from like our industries, we need to constantly uh, push for. because uh, financially it's easier to manage just outsourcing everything, yeah. but you lose the control. You, you actually lose a lot of the detailed understanding and the, the chance, opportunities for building the beauty of the knowledge uh, in house. Yeah.
0: Okay, and I think at the end of the day, with all of this, you know, change management. Moving towards a data-driven future, finding the right talent is definitely not easy, right? So, um, what are some key leadership skills that you feel are necessary, you know, for this for effective change management?
1: Yeah. So, yeah, probably yeah, I can uh, start first. So, okay. yeah, in terms of the, the leadership, I, I think this this for us this definitely is a, a leading through the ambiguity. Because with such a scale, I mean, with uh, this kind of, uh, a, a lot of this kind of uh, interdependencies, So only uh, this uh, agility to adapt to the change and embrace the new technologies is, is quite important. Mm-hmm. Last year, when we are doing a business plan, we don't know the ChatGPT, but then suddenly it appeared, <laughs> yeah. and then it brings a lot of change. And uh, for tech companies, they may just immediately go to adapt it. But for the traditional industries, there's a lot of process and take him for us to to do that. So that's actually the, the the leadership skill that is required. I mean, how to lead the people through the ambiguity and solve the problem that just suddenly appeared, yeah. and then achieve uh, the goal, uh, achieve the goal that, that we planned. So in terms of the talent, so I think the keys just. Uh, you know, uh, absorbing more fresh blood from from the tech companies, from those more digital uh, savvy uh, places, that can really change a lot of the you know, the, the mindset of people because they, people need to see the power of this technology in order to to believe that and really invest in that. Although they are looking at this uh, news flying every day about the Chat GPT, about this AI, but if they don't feel it, they they still are uh, very uh, you know, reluctant to, to invest in that. Yeah. 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 I think in general, like uh,
2: ambiguity is definitely one of the critical aspects, uh, making sure you navigate uh, around it uh, well. And there are like too many things that can be done, right? But choosing the right track, what specific talent uh, you are looking for, that kind of needs to be answered. Uh, Fundamentally, it's not always about the functional skills, right? Mm I mean, everybody will know how to use Python, right? Everybody will know to use SQL, for example. But at the end of the day, I think curiosity of uh, how we can answer important questions with data and uh, how we present like the storytelling aspect, right? those are to me i think the fundamental uh key attributes we try to look at right functional skills as i mentioned like coding and all there might be like differences subtle differences like somebody is an exceptional coder writes very optimised my code, but at times it might not be that necessary but then drilling the pieces of the data and coming down to the bottom and then conclusively say that yes this is it with proper maybe uh, description, proper definitions, proper assumptions called out. I think that is like fundamental. So uh, when we are thinking about like making a data-driven organization uh, and answering everything with data, I think these are like sort of fundamental things that cannot be compromised on in any candidate we would uh, look at.
0: Yeah. Okay, I mean... I think we start talking about finding the right challenge. we can go on and on. I think it might be best to put it on a separate topic. So.
2: And there's definitely no easy answer. Compared. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so, um, yeah, I think, I think that's about like, you know, all the time that we have for today. So, um, thank you to both of you guys for, you know, speaking on this and providing us with all the insights and knowledge on this topic. Um, and thank you too, to our lovely audience for tuning in and we hope you enjoyed this episode. And we'll see you again next time when we discuss another hot topic on the exchange by evolution.
2: See ya. Thank you. Your